Hello, my friends. Welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. I'm so glad you can join us. My friends, tonight, I want to dedicate this show to Dr. Captain Tyrone White. Most of you that are watching tonight know him. He was an amazing law enforcement official with Miami-Dade County Police Department. He was over the Crimes Bureau, and he dealt with human trafficking, domestic violence, sexual assault. And unfortunately, he died this Sunday in an unexpected accident. He was a very, very dear friend to me and to so many of us. We're going to miss him immensely. Condolences to his family, especially to his son, James White, who's a running back for the New England Patriots. And please join me in prayer for his wife, Lisa, for she is fighting for her life in critical condition. Let's have a moment of silence for Captain Tyrone White. Thank you. You will forever be missed, my brother. I love you, Captain White. My friends, topic of conversation tonight is human trafficking. Human trafficking is known as modern day slavery. It is a huge violation against our human rights. It's a $150 billion industry worldwide, only second, you heard right, only second to drugs. And to make matters even worse, it is happening right in our own backyards. Parents, listen up. One in seven children will run away from your homes, okay, before they reach the age of 18. And one in three of these same children will be approached by a trafficker within 48 hours. These are alarming statistics. Joining us tonight is Dr. Katarina Rosenblatt, an international human trafficking survivor and author a worldwide renowned advocate and coach for human trafficking survivors and victims. Dr. Katerina Rosenblatt is ready to share with all of you tonight, listen carefully, what are the tactics that these criminals utilize to take our youth and our children away from us and drag them into the life of human trafficking. Dr. Katerina Rosenblatt, thank you so much for joining us tonight. God bless you on all of your accomplishments Thank you for watching over our victims of human trafficking. Thank you for making sure that they're not taken. You know, your work unequivocally, your commitment, your dedication is priceless in keeping our children safe. Welcome, Dr. Kat. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you to your viewers for tuning in. Thank you so much for having me and being willing to tackle the topic of human trafficking tonight. Dr. Kett, I know this is a very difficult subject matter for you because you have lived it. This is not a story that you go to the movies and perhaps it's not real. This is real because your flesh and blood, you suffered it. Mm -hmm. Tonight's objective of this show is that I want all our viewers to listen to you, to listen to your story and understand that this is real and understand that it can happen to anyone. So that we are all on the same page I'd like you to begin by defining human trafficking for all our viewers. Sure, human trafficking based on the Trafficking Victims Protection Act is basically anyone under 18 who's engaged in any form of commercial sex, being stripping, porn, prostitution, 
or massage parlors is a victim of human trafficking. Anyone over 18 where there's force, fraud, or coercion is also a victim. So if a minor is involved in any type of exchange of sex or sexual favors, whether that's videos, pictures online, um, you know, that's considered porn. And being that they're a minor in exchange uh, of anything of value, food, clothing, shelter, even drugs or money, that constitutes commercial sex. And that is human trafficking. Okay. So for our viewers can understand this. So whenever there's a commercial game, but there has to be force, fraud, or coercion. Now, if you are a minor, okay, and, and you acquiesce, is that still a crime? So anyone under 18 where there's commercial sex, there's no need for force, fraud, or coercion. That is only okay. for adults. So adults who are brought here uh, from other countries or other places under the guise, say, of babysitting or being an out pair and then are put into a strip club, that's human trafficking. That's an example of human trafficking. For minors where they were, uh, let's say, even as simple as a boyfriend's house and a boyfriend says, sleep with my friend so that I can pay rent, he's going to give me some money, that's commercial sex. That's exchanging a sexual favor in exchange for something of value. And the survivor doesn't necessarily have to receive payment, but somebody received payment for that sexual favor. Got you. And I know there's a couple of other types of exploitation, like domestic exploitation. And, and the, I want to just briefly, even though this is about sexual exploitation, I want to briefly let our viewers know that there's labor exploitation as well as uh, organ exploitation. Can I elaborate a little bit on that? Right. So there's labor exploitation, which uh, my daughter was a victim of labor exploitation as a minor. Again, if you are involved in seeking employment, but you're not compensated for your employment. So it was a job at a mall and they never paid her. And that store got shut down because they were exploiting her for work as a, as a teenager during the summer, but they did utilize her for two months. They, they nice. had her work as a cashier and never once paid her. So they exploited oh. her work. Um, there were no, there was no sex or sexual favors, but it was labor trafficking. So again, if there is uh, anyone working in exchange for, it doesn't have to be commercial sex, that's sex trafficking, but they're working, they're doing conducting labor and there is any form of force, fraud or coercion. So uh, how labor trafficking works for adults, for example, there were 50 Filipinos working in a Boca country club and they were working for two years without pay horrible that's slavery that's what we call a modern day slavery that's right right and so they were being exploited for their labor housekeepers made um you know bartenders or or waiters or waitresses or that uh dishwashers and in nail salons you see this happen a lot you see this happen in domestic work work environments like i said uh in hotels and in the tourism industry where the labor or employment company were the traffickers and they were exploiting the workers, the hotel, uh, the way I understand the case played out. And that was actually through our, our task force that we both send up, sit under with the South Florida Human Trafficking Task Force um, with Homeland Security that they busted that case about 10 years ago. 
Absolutely. Um, doing a wonderful job, by the way. A big yeah. shout out to the security as well. So obviously you have mentioned the tourism industry, the restaurants, maybe in construction industry as well, uh, farm industry, agricultural industry. This is where you can find domestic, uh, domestic situations, domestic exploitation. Organ exploitation, you don't hear much about it, but I understand it's the liver and the kidneys that they go after. Right, and, and let me just clarify domestic versus international exploitation. So when you use the term domestic, usually it's referring to US citizens. So domestic minor sex trafficking or uh, the exploitation of uh, US citizens, domestic uh, employees even, you know, like my daughter was uh, a US citizen, but she was exploited for labor international is where people are brought from another country and the reason there is a difference you know they may be here domestically but they are not necessarily citizens and so for them to get services they do have to go through a process of obtaining a u visa uh, or some other type of visa which allows them to stay in the country and as a trafficking survivor they are entitled to that they are entitled to those services. Most trafficking survivors who are brought here internationally do not um, take advantage of that or they're not told that they can. So they don't even know that they're entitled to legal citizenship, legal status. And that's one of the lures that traffickers use to keep them bound in slavery, as you said. So that's the difference between international and domestic, even though they may be trafficked here in the US domestically, they are foreign born versus right. domestic, which are U.S. born. And, and, I, and I think the best message here with that, Dr. Kat, I don't mean to interrupt you, is the fact that there is help. We have so many resources here in Miami-Dade County that are constantly helping individuals. You know, you're one of them. We're going to talk about your non-for-profit very shortly that are helping so many individuals. And in a minute, we're going to show a sign of a bunch of organizations that are making a difference right here in Miami-Dade County people that love our multicultural communities, people that will say no to human trafficking. Let's get a little bit about you. Let's learn a little bit about you. Where were you born? With a name like Dr. Katarina Rosenblatt. Talk to us. So I was born here in Miami, Florida. And um, I had one parent who was from Finland and my dad was American. Um, I grew up in South Florida. Uh, before I forget, though, I don't think I answered your question about the organ trafficking, though. If you okay, go back to the organ yeah. trafficking. You've said so much that I'm internalizing what you're saying. But I remember your question because it's something that's hitting the news now. So I think it is important to of talk course. about. Uh, so when you're talking about trafficking, you know, there's the sex trafficking of adults and minors. There's labor trafficking. The organ trafficking is usually what occurs in third world countries where people are exploited for their organs, their internal organs. Some of them are sick, some of them are not. Sometimes they're kidnapped, sometimes they're taken off the street, homeless people or elderly that um, if their organs are considered a high commodity, they are taken, uh, brutalized, uh, the organs are taken out, they're killed. And so those organs are sold overseas, usually to the US or Europe um, for high amounts of, uh, of dollars, especially for those who have been waiting for an organ transplant for years, are willing to pay a premium price for these organs. And so the, the organized criminal entities have found a new and another way to profit off of 
other individuals less fortunate or unaware. And Horrible. so they become- It's all about greed, isn't it? It's about greed, Dr. Katarina Kat. Right? It's all about greed. And what's, what's worse about this, and I do know this about the organs, is that a lot of people that perhaps uh, are migrant workers and they don't know, sometimes they're tricked into giving up their organs, you know, because they say, oh, you're sick, whatever, and they have to give up their organs. So we just hope and pray that now our viewers understand that there's three types of, of uh, trafficking, exploitation and sexual trafficking, exploitation and domestic labor trafficking, and exploitation and organ trafficking. And now let's turn to you. Go ahead. Sorry, there's also the rest of it, uh, which is um, a domestic servitude, you know, and there's bonded labor, which is primarily in India through the caste system. But even here in South Florida, there have been cases where families give their children over to individuals who's, who promote themselves to want to put their kids in school or want to take care of the children in these impoverished countries such as Haiti uh, or the Dominican or other regions where maybe people are a little more trusting. And so exploiters prey upon that vulnerability. They know where to go and yeah. they know who to attack. Yeah, and then they bring the children over uh, where there's there was a case in Pembroke Pines where uh, a child was maybe eight years old or just very young and they are working from morning until night cleaning, cooking, uh, taking care of the family. When that child should be in school, they're, they're deprived the liberty of going to school. They're deprived the liberty of having normal means. And so sometimes they sleep in the closet or in the garage like an animal. And you may, just totally and, inhumane. And even forced to uh, meet the sexual demands of the males of the house. And so that is domestic uh, servitude, rest of it. Um, and it can many times take on the forms of sex trafficking as well, uh, but it is human trafficking because they're brought here under uh, the guise of domestic servitude and they're really um, tricked, fo forced, coerced, but many times they're minors and they're, they're conducting these activities without any pay under severe conditions, beaten, malnourished, starved, and deprived of the ability to go to school. And I can't believe we're talking about this in the 21st century. It's insane. You know, that's why it's important people like yourself that are fighting against human trafficking, fighting to rescue our youth from the hands of these perpetrators of violence, these criminals. So I want to thank you so much for doing that. Let's talk a little bit about your childhood. What was your relationship with your parents as you were growing up? And I also want you to specifically concentrate on some of the vulnerabilities that you were facing during that time. Right. So growing up in South Florida, there was no such thing as a human trafficking task force, which we sit on, or even a definition of what is human trafficking, as we've shared. Um, I re got recruited at a hotel in Miami Beach because my mom left my abusive father. And a lot of times for trafficking to create the perfect storm, so to speak, there needs to be a vulnerability met with like you talked about grief. So you have the, the vulnerable uh, poverty or coming from an abusive home and you don't know the difference between a safe and unsafe father figure. And then you have the exploiter, the profiteer, the person that is, or the group or the entity that is looking to profit off of the vulnerability of <laughs> that exploited youth or that exploited individual. 
And so when the two collide, it creates the perfect storm. Now, the other piece missing in this storm is the buyer, the sex buyer or the purchaser of uh, the rest of it, or the purchaser of the, the labor trafficking survivor. Whatever the case may be, the demand is as much at fault, if not more, because if there was no demand, there would be no trafficking. So then wait a minute, let me stop you there, Dr. Cat. So are we telling our viewers that we need to tell men, and not all men do this, but we need to tell men in general, you know, stop demanding sex. If you stop buying it, then human trafficking will finish, correct? We won't have human trafficking if the men stop buying sex. That's or is a, that that's naive for me to believe? That No, I, I agree with you 110%. And honestly, that's one of my soapboxes because I believe if we could, um, curb the demand for commercial sex, we would end sex trafficking, no doubt. However, there is also a debate in Europe uh, and around the country where there are uh, countries such as Australia, or there's countries, the majority of Europe is uh, has legalized prostitution, uh, Las Vegas, you know, and in these areas, they say, oh, well, women should have the right to do what they want with their bodies. But, you know, I firsthand went to Europe last year and I saw the red light district. I drove, I took a bike, rented a bike, went down the red light district and saw mm -hmm. it with my own eyes because I needed to see it. And I saw how these women were in the storefronts in Amsterdam dressed in scantily uh, clad uh, clothing. Like they, they were thinking they were business owners because they were given a license, they were given permission. But you know what? The men, the demand that was there was unbelievable. It was like they were looking in a meat market. So right there, there's an imbalance of power because the women are still being targeted and, and being um, given, yes, maybe they're given uh, wages for ex exposing their body or exploiting themselves, however you want to look at it. But at the end of the street were the organized crime. And I saw them. I drove to the industry. I went That's insane. That's insane. And I prayed myself out. But I will tell That's you, crazy. those countries are at fault for enabling traffickers to become businessmen, landlords, and exploit these women for $10,000 a day for that spot. So you know how much that woman now has to sell her body in order to meet the demand, uh, in order to, I'm sorry, to meet the rent payment that the government has given their stamp of approval. The governments in those cases should be held accountable Absolutely. for allowing this type of exploitation to become legalized. Absolutely. That's why I love Miami-Dade County so much, especially our attorney, the Honorable Catherine Fernandez Grundle, because as you know, because we both belong to the Homeland Security Task Force, as you know, all these uh, buyers, if you will, when they buy sex, they're going to be exposing them. You remember this conversation we had with Kathy Francis Rundle, state attorney, on a huge billboard. And boy, is that embarrassing. So for all the viewers that are watching, and if you live in Miami-Dade County, don't buy sex. Stop buying sex. If not, you're going to be exposed so that everybody can see that you're a buyer. Yeah. So that's pretty horrible. Let me stop you for one second, Dr. Cat. I want to give thanks to our advertisers because without our advertisers, this show would not be possible. So thank you, advertisers. Thank you for loving our multicultural communities. Thank you for always giving back to our diverse communities. The Jose Milton Foundation, Nicole Alvarez, our attorney, 
Lucia Bias Geller running for District 3, Miami Dade County Public School Board, Jackson Health Foundation, Florida Blue, Magic Waste Youth Foundation, Magic Waste Youth Foundation, excuse me, Catholic Hospice, El Hidalgo de Broward, Sapothic Insurance, Survivors Pathway, United Home Care. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Without them, Dr. Katharina Rosenblatt, the show would not be possible. Getting back to you, Doc, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. I want you to, you know, talk a little bit about the relationship you have with your parents and how did you meet that girl that you thought was your friend? And this is very important that the viewers should understand this because I want them to go and talk to their children that maybe are not watching the show or a lot of the youth and the millennials that are watching the show share this with your friends. Talk to us how you were trapped, if you will, in the life of human trafficking without even realizing it. Talk to us. So I'm gonna first say that the link for my book, Stolen, is available down there. Uh, there is hopeforme.org for the full story because we're just gonna touch on the highlights that are educational today. Yes. Um, so if you go to thereishopeforme.org and you purchase a copy of Stolen, we will donate a copy to a survivor uh, on your behalf if you buy one today because we do have survivors around the globe who are asking for Stolen and we don't wanna charge them. So you can put a copy in the hands of a survivor today as well as I'll send you an autographed copy. Beautiful. So with that said, I'll tell so you. So wait a minute, so you're talking about the book. So there is hopeforme.org is your website. So when they get on your website, it's gonna say to purchase the book somewhere where they find that link? Yes, just look for the tab that says stolen. And okay. there you can purchase it online. Of course, it's available through booksellers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but to get an autographed copy, to get a copy into the hands of survivors, go to the website and the proceeds go to the nonprofit. So it helps survivors. And as you mentioned, our entire organization is from survivors to survivors. So we don't do fundraising. We don't do uh, a lot of the traditional ways because we don't want to exploit the stories of survivors. We don't want to exploit um, the people that we've helped. Instead, what we do is trust the good hearts of people who are involved in the movement, such as yourself and Alan and others uh, on our task force who want to help and purchase a copy. So this is our primary way of how we can meet the needs of survivors. And we've been able to help uh, well over 300, I, I mean hundreds and hundreds, I would say closer to a thousand survivors um, because we've been doing this since 2008. And we have so many survivor leaders. Um, I'll also share this with you. You know, my mom recently passed three weeks ago today. I'm um, so sorry to hear that. Thank you, thank you. But you know, one surprising thing, I appreciate it, Rachel, um, and you and Alan have been so supportive through the process. I really appreciate you guys. Um, God bless you. Uh, thank you. Too. I will tell you, it's during a time like this that you see who is your real family um, in your life. And sometimes it's not always blood. Sometimes, you know, there are other people around you, uh, such as you guys, such as our survivors. I am overwhelmed by the amount of support and compassion that um, our survivors have been giving back. Hon honestly, that is uh, just- Well, they have a good coach. That's you. I know. Thank God. You have trained them well, Dr. Kat. 
I know. But you have empowered them with self-confidence, with love, with trust again. You know, there's so much you've done for, for them. And I want to just say something to our viewers. I have read Dr. Katz's book. I recommend it. I'm a parent. My daughter has been saturated with human trafficking facts and statistics. I suggest you do the same for you. I want to give some statistics here. Uh, there's as early as, as girls as 12 years old and boys as 11. They're also being taken, my friends. So beware, parents, about your children. These pimps have four to six kids at a time. They make about $150,000 to $200,000 per child a year. Okay, they're obligated to have sex between 20 to 48 times a day. This is horrible. Kat, I know you don't want to talk too much about your story because you want them to buy your book, but I need you for the sake of this show to at least give them an idea of how you met a girl right here in the hotel in Miami-Dade County. I think it was Miami Beach when I read your book, if my, if my memory is still there. Okay, how were you approached? How, how didn't you realize you know, that this was a bad person and she took you under her wing and you embraced her because you thought that she was real. Talk to us. So Rachel, um, you should be a news reporter. I mean, you're so good. Thank you. I love what I do because I like people to know things. Thank you. Getting to the heart of it. Okay. So just like you said, you know, when I was growing up, I came from an abusive home. So I lacked that mentor. I lacked that love. I lacked that support. I had my mom, but she was dealing with domestic violence. And so she left my abusive dad to find peace and stay at a hotel in Miami beach. And, uh, she went to the dynasty hotel, which is no longer there, uh, now, but during that time, there was a trafficking ring that was networked throughout the hotel. And, this trafficking ring sent an older girl to befriend me at the pool. They sent somebody who they thought would be able to approach me because they're not going to send someone that looks like a, a pimp with a gold chain and, and a big, you know, I mean, somebody scary. They're going to send someone that looks like you to approach you so that your guard is down so that you don't recognize that this person is really targeting you. And so, she sat and she mirrored everything I said, whatever I, I said, I was hurting at home. You know, she befriended me. She talked to me and she would just mirror the same thing I would say. And she would replay it back. And over the course of a month, Mary, who was my first recruiter uh, into trafficking, because I had four separate experiences. I talk about three of them in the book. And the final one was a false modeling scam, uh, which I want to write a follow up book on. But uh, because that. But the way you wrote your book, Dr. Cat, is amazing because I, I, I think I finished it in two days. I couldn't put it down. Thank but you I, so want, I, want, I want our viewers to get a sneak preview of your book. So I want them to buy it. But I want them to understand right here from your mouth, because, you know, it's not every day that we see somebody as, as important as you and that really wants to give back to the community to avoid other innocent kids from being taken. And as a parent, you can see that I have a lot of passion in this. And I know that my daughter Rosetta is watching all the way from Israel. So she's watching you and she's listening to you as well. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for creating this space for this because trafficking can happen to anyone. It, it doesn't happen in a bubble. It actually is much more common than people realize. And in going back 
to do outreach, I found that one in three middle schoolers are being targeted and one in nine high schoolers. And this came directly from the kids in the schools sharing with me their stories. But how did I get started? I never intended to be a, a world speaker on human trafficking, sharing my dirtiest, darkest secrets, you know, but God chose to use my story and rescue me out of that life so that I can be a light and example to others and now see others give back and do the same. What I find so fascinating about you, Dr. Cat, is that you are in the world of darkness but you're still going back into that world of darkness because it's my understanding that you work very closely with the FBI and Homeland Security to try to rescue some of the victims of human trafficking. How does that affect you psychologically, being there, getting out, going back to rescue? Do you get a lot of like nightmares at night? I mean, it's crazy. No, no, it's actually, um, I would say there, it's, it's a process rescuing someone out of human trafficking. It's not like you just go and and see them being snatched up and you say, oh, don't take that little girl. Come with me. I saved you. No, <laughs> that's not what rescuing someone out of trafficking looks like. It's actually very, very tedious, very time consuming and extremely emotional. So the, the part that's triggering is not the part when someone is coming out of it. There's so much joy and there's so much hope that I can offer them. I'll give you an example of um, one young survivor. She actually came to my mom's funeral with her mom. Um, and so my daughter and I actually helped rescue her out of trafficking. And so the way that, that her story worked was that um, my daughter, you know, I had I used to do outreach in the jails, strip clubs, truck stops, group homes, everywhere they were, I would go because I wanted to go, yeah, I wanted to go back and help them, um, hotels, anywhere I could be of use to God. But I, I began having such a reputation, even to this point, I don't, I don't even have to go anywhere, even online in groups there, whenever someone's been trafficked, somehow it always comes to me. They always come to their, their stories, something that I can do, pray with them, pray with, with uh, parents, you know, that are searching. I, I've recently met actually one mom who was actually searching for her daughter, which is not common. Usually when a child goes missing, the parents don't know what to do, which is what happened with this 16 year old. So my daughter called me one night with her friend on three way and she's, and knowing what I do, she said, mom, my friend's cousin is missing. Can you help? And so I talked to them and uh, found out that, that the little girl had been missing for a year. And then I said, okay, have, have her mom call me. Uh, her mom and I spoke on the phone and I prayed with her mom and got all the details. And the way that my nonprofit works, which is very much direct service, directly working with survivors, we have had the privilege for the last 10 years of working aside, uh, alongside law enforcement. You know, the, the FBI had contacted me when I spoke at a legislative meeting for the Safe Harbor Act in 2010. They followed me out of the meeting and they said, would you help us? And so since then, I've Great. had this amazing law enforcement relationship when it comes to human trafficking. So that's beautiful. I know exactly who to call and how- I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna interrupt you because I know that you got 
a medal of bravery from the FBI in 2019. Congratulations for that, because not everybody gets that. So congratulations on your hard work. Thank Dr. Ken, I wanna, I wanna make sure that I cover some things that I know that are important. Can you uh, talk to all our viewers straightforward to them at this point and tell them what does it mean when these traffickers, when these criminals try to groom one of our kids? What does that mean, that terminology, grooming? So it's gaining their trust. And in my dissertation, which was my first book, actually, Trafficking in America, I see you have it on there. Um, I identified that it took about a month on average. It takes about a month to gain the trust of a trafficking victim. That's while they're being victimized, while they're being targeted, while they're being recruited. It takes about a month for a trafficker to gain the trust of a child. And that is called the grooming process. So during the grooming process, a trafficker is befriending them. And what I tell girls and what I tell kids when I go to schools is this is their full-time job. You have to understand like this person has made this their life goal, their career. This is their 24 seven to study you, to study your family. And I believe families are targeted just as much as children. Uh, I was coming from a single parent home. They studied my mom. They, they met my mom, um, Unbelievable. who actually was the person who rescued me when they uh, tried to sell me for $550 and left me for dead on the side of the road in uh, North Miami Beach. So, so sorry. I was, but thank God I had a mom who was there for me. There's a lot of kids in foster care who don't have anybody. And that's where we step in as a survivor organization from survivors to survivors to make a difference, to make an impact and let them know at least there's one person that cares about you. At least there is someone praying for you and somebody looking for you because a lot of these kids don't even have one parent who is aware. Um, and we've had kids come out of foster care. One young lady, she got a double scholarship to University of Florida to become a doctor and a lawyer. Like, wow. Like, yeah, I want to go to law school too. Yeah, but she was 13 when she was missing. And you know how I met her? By going to the Nicholas uh, Miami Children's Hospital in Miami, Florida to do a talk to their pediatricians, uh, their residents, who residents the pediatricians in residence, and they wanted to know about human trafficking. I did a training. And once I did that training, I remember it was one of my first trainings. It was like only like 150 bucks. And I, but I so oh. much wanted to do it. And when I did that training. I created a trafficking wheel and an assessment tool. And sure enough, which happens all the time within a few days, they called me and they said, uh, I wasn't Dr. Cat yet. I was just Cat. They said, Cat, would you come? We think we have a survivor. And she had, um, you know, because I got my PhD in 2014. So I think this was like 2013. Yeah, you have a PhD because I know you, you're all, you're trying to get so much out. You have a PhD in conflict analysis, conflict resolution. You yeah. also have a master's in law, from what I understand as well. So you've done a lot. So get, I want to I want to talk about different things here. I also want to compliment you, Dr. Cat, because I do know that you have written legislation against pornography in Germany. So kudos and accolades to, to you as well. I also know that you have testified at the Florida Legislature, Capitol Hill, and Washington D.C. You know, coming up with laws to help victims of human trafficking. You have done so much. I want to take a minute. I want to ask uh, Dr. Alan Silva to zoom in all the organizations that also help you work with you hand in hand, because uh, I want the viewers to, to get a pen. 
Uh, viewers, get a pen right now. Look at all these organizations. They're right there on the screen for you that truly are making a difference when it comes to human trafficking and also domestic violence. Uh, take some numbers down. Every single one of these entities, including Dr. Kat, uh, Dr. Katarina Rosenblatt's entity, they're doing a big difference. God forbid, if you ever have any issues, you call them. But of course, you have to call 911 first and then call any one of these organizations. Thank you, Dr. Ellen Silver. Getting back to you, Dr. Katarina, let's talk a little bit about the indicators. Because I want to make sure that our viewers, if they come across anybody, whether at a, at a beauty parlor or even at a bar stop, at a restaurant, and they come across a, a guy or girl that looks like maybe they might be they might be being trafficked. What are some of those indicators? What are some of those red flags that they should be looking out for? So if you see somebody that is bruised or unable to make eye contact, uh, a lot of times you may confuse it with domestic violence, but it's actually trafficking. If there's an older man accompanying a child, a child who's dressed inappropriately for their age or for their weather, a lot of times that is trafficking. If you're in foster care or you're a single parent or you have children coming into your classroom who have coach purses, Louis Vuitton, who have mm -hmm. money and they are 14 and they don't have a job, it's time to start asking some questions because a lot of times traffickers will give kids expensive items which uh, they can't account for. And in exchange, is that to lure them? Is that to lure them in? That's the grooming building that trust. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times they've already gotten them to engage in commercial sex. I'll give you an example. One girl, you know, because I've done anti-trafficking rescue work from Miami to LA. And so one girl that I worked with in Los Angeles um, was an amazing, beautiful, beautiful young lady, but she got recruited just from the promise of getting her hair and her nails done, which is a common tactic from traffickers mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for, for doing sexual favors with others. She, she didn't know that this other person who was also uh, a female was getting paid. And so a lot of times survivors, even in my own case, I never got paid. I never received payment but they will sometimes get compensated with their hair or their nails done or with expensive uh, jewelry purses, you know, again, uh, like coach bags. I mean, those are kind of out of fashion now, but you know, whatever, whatever the new thing is that, that right. traffickers can, can use to get kids. I mean, iPhones. Like trying to buy them, really. That's what you're trying to, you know, trying to buy them. It's interesting that you should mention that in the beauty parlor because not too long ago, I was at the beauty parlor and I saw this guy come in with this with very beautiful girl, but the girl looked very sad and she had bruises and I even saw a barcode. And I wanna let our viewers know that if you see anybody with a barcode, like, you know, when you go to the store and you buy bread and you see a barcode, oh, a barcode, uh, that also could be a sign of human trafficking. So I saw her with that. I saw her looking like, like afraid, you know, and he wouldn't leave her alone. So when I just oh, yeah. left, yeah, he was like, you know, hovering over her. So and I knew it was one of the signs. I called the police. Now, maybe I was wrong, but I'd rather be wrong than sorry. And if I know in my heart that maybe there's a minute possibility that I saved somebody's life, then I've done my job. And that's what I always say. It's better to re be 
to report it and be wrong than not report it and be sorry because you won't stop thinking about it. So you can report it to 888-3737-888, which is the national human trafficking hotline for anybody that's outside of Miami-Dade County. And for Miami-Dade County, you have our wonderful state attorney, Catherine Rundle's hotline. Do you have her number that you can share with them? Yes, we can put it back on, Alan, of all the different phone numbers. And hopefully our viewers can have a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper that they can copy some of these numbers. These numbers are the cream of the cream, my friends. These are the organizations. Watch carefully. These are the organizations. Write down their phone numbers. And God forbid, whether your kid, your neighbor, your niece, anybody that you know, okay, even strangers, you know, as a matter of fact, I would take this Xerox it, you know, take a picture with your phone and keep it on your phone so that God forbid you run across anybody that might remotely look like a victim of human trafficking, call any of these numbers. Thank you, Doc. Yes. yes. And thank I you wanted to ask time. you this one question because I know we're running out of time, Dr. Katz. Why do some human trafficking survivors, actually let's call them victims at this point because they haven't escaped. Why are sometimes human trafficking victims are afraid to seek help? Talk to us about the psychological impact of that. Well, a lot of times traffickers, the same with international survivors, they're not told that they can stay here legally. They don't know that they're a victim. I didn't know I was a victim. And a lot of times they don't identify. Going back to the story of the 16-year-old that we helped to rescue, she did not realize she was a victim. When the FBI brought her out of this situation, she was cussing at them. And she was dressed with 10-inch Steve Madden heels and a little tiny skirt. And all I could see was this girl singing praises to Jesus because I, I knew who she could become. I knew because of what God had done in my life. I knew that a miracle was about to take place. And to this day, praise God, six years later, she is out of trafficking, off drugs. She is a mother and she is about to be a college graduate at Broward College. And the, it came true. And it, of course it comes true because there is hope for you. There's hope. There was hope for me. There's hope for anybody. And so I'll tell you that traffickers use psychological tactics to manipulate kids, to make them think that law enforcement is against them, which is a lie. Every FBI Absolutely. agent that I've ever introduced to a survivor has always been compassionate, survivor sensitive, survivor centered. They're amazing. They actually make these girls want to become law enforcement agents. And so, so privileged to be. And we know many of them at Homeland Security. Big shout out to all of them. Yeah, Katina Hernandez, amazing. I will tell you this. It is a privilege for me to be accepted into the FBI Citizens Academy, which I, I started this fall. And so I'm very excited about that. And Congratulations. I'm Thank you. Because I've and I also want to mention, I also want to mention that you are included in the National Center for Civil and Human Rights Museum in Atlanta, Georgia. So when I go see Dr. King's house in Georgia, I'm gonna definitely go see you, at least your portrait and your book over there in Atlanta, Georgia. Congratulations, Dr. Cat. You have done so much for our kids. You are a breath of fresh air. Thank you for your time. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Is there a last minute message that you would like to leave all of our viewers with tonight? If you see something, say something because you could be the person to set someone free. If you have experienced trafficking, know that it is not your fault because nobody deserves to be abused or exploited. You can text be free and get out of that situation. You can contact any of our partners on the numbers listed and just know if there was hope for me, 
there is hope for you and we're coming for you. Be brave, be strong, be bold and fight for your freedom. Wow. There you go, my friends. You've been listening to Dr. Kat, Dr. Katarina Rosenblatt, an international human trafficking survivor. Thank you, Dr. Kat. We're going to invite you again. And to all our viewers, thank you so much for joining us tonight on On Point Rachel Turgeon. I'm glad that you've joined us. Now you know a little bit more about human trafficking. Let's save our children one at a time. Please don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel on On Point Rachel Turgeon. Stay informed because if we stay informed and we stay connected, we will all make better decisions. God bless you all. Stay healthy and safe. Bye-bye for now. No, you're good. <laughs>